Hello again, everyone. It's Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door, your host of On The Way Home. Uh, maybe you are sitting down having a coffee and listening, catching up on your On The Way Home podcast. If you wanted to do that, all past episodes, you could find them anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, if you want to see the videos, of course, go to uh, YouTube. But go to onthewayhome.ca. We have a webpage, and you can look back and think, where's that episode again? Around that one that did this, or talked about this, or talked about tiny homes, or 3D printed homes, or that lived expert, uh, go to onthewayhome.ca. Now, this is a joint presentation, uh, this podcast, uh, between Blue Door and our friends at the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness. So check out what they're up to. Go to caeh.ca. If you want to see some of the cool stuff and innovative stuff we're doing at Blue Door with my team and the frontline heroes that are doing it, Go to bluedoor.ca. Check that out. We've got a few things going on, and we're happy to share uh, and learn from you as well. And together, we come together. We produce this podcast weekly. It really is around awareness and education in the sector, sharing best practices, uh, sharing how we overcome the big challenges ahead of us as we try and prevent and end homelessness, whether it be around health, housing, employment, uh, preventative measures, aftercare, all sorts of different things. If you have an idea for the podcast and you think, hey, this would be great for uh, the podcast or, or I have something I really want to share, reach out to me at michael.b at bluedoor.ca and we'll be happy to chat and book a podcast session with you. But let's get to today's guest. Now, listen, we have a lot of challenges right now. We're in a housing crisis across Canada and most parts of the world have a housing crisis. We've seen uh, inflation go up, crushing housing costs, um, and, and the more that people, uh, ownership's coming out of reach, becoming out of reach, people are then having to rent, which crowds the rental market, prices have gone up, which of course punishes our most vulnerable. And not just our most vulnerable too, but specific um, groups of our most vulnerable. We're going to talk a little bit about that today because we see a lot for people of color, black and indigenous individuals that even more so um, that they are struggling to find housing and experiencing homelessness at alarming rates. And we need to find solutions so that everyone has a safe place to call home. I get a lot of hope from today's guest uh, because she's very, very young and, and brilliant and is doing great work. And so the future is in good hands. Let's face it, I'm quite old. So, um, you know, I'm gonna do my best to do my part, but I, I always get inspired by young leaders who are doing great work and are going to do great work into the future for a long time. Today's guest, Victoria Barclay, is coming on. Uh, and she's doing research and work, and it's just passionate and, and you know fueled up and ready to get the job done. Victoria, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Now, we talked a few weeks back. We tried this already once, friends, at uh, the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness Conference in early November. We had a bad internet connection, and I wanted you to get the best of uh, our brilliant guests. So we said, let's do it again uh, and, and chat a little bit uh, about the work you're doing. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, give us a little bit of your journey into this work. How did you arrive? Why are you doing this research? Why does it matter to you? Yeah, so my name is Victoria. Um, I use she, her pronouns. I'm calling in from unceded Musqueam territory today. I am a second year student in the Department of Sociology at the University of British Columbia, 
And my current research, which is um, something that I work on collaboratively with the BC Society of Transition Houses, is a project about the housing experiences of Indigenous, Black, and women of color who are fleeing gender-based violence in Vancouver and Toronto. And I also work on another project that is led by PI, Dr. Nester, and that project also um, is supported by the BC STH. And before um, coming into this work on housing, I was actually um, doing higher education research. So I am from Toronto, I grew up there, and I interned at the Higher Education Quality Council of Ontario. And my undergrad thesis at U of T was also around education experiences. And since I did my internship, I realized that I was a lot more interested in getting to the root of social, of social immobility, um, as well as cyclical poverty. And so I moved to Vancouver to study housing, and that's where I'm at now. Very cool. And thanks uh, for sharing that. We want to talk more about your research. Before we do that, I've got to ask you our standard question here from On the Way Home, and that is, when you think of home, what does home mean to you? To me, and a lot of what my research looks at as well, is that a home is a feeling. I don't think that it really is a place. It can definitely be associated with a place, but I think home is where you feel most comfortable, where you feel most safe, and where you feel healthy and that you can live a prosperous life. Fantastic, uh, fantastic answer. And I love what you're saying there about a feeling that can be associated with a place or linked to, but that's not what it's all about. You're right, that comfort and safety uh, are far more important. Um, let's talk about your research. How did it come about? Why, you know, why are you doing this research? Why does it matter? So the research that I'm looking at now actually arises partially from a community needs assessment that the BCSTH had done in 2019. And that was an intersectional feminist approach on um, gender-based violence and what that looked like. But I think overall, there's still a gap in what the racialized women need when it comes to their housing situations. And that's something that I was really interested in. I've always been interested in race, gender, and class and intersectionality and how those come together. And so I wanted to look at those experiences and identify, okay, what are the what are the housing needs and how are how is housing policy either fulfilling or not fulfilling that. And that research is super important because when we think about housing and when we think about housing solutions, we're not gonna solve the housing crisis without taking care of our most vulnerable. And women fleeing violence is one of those most vulnerable groups. And so that's why I wanted to focus on them. Very cool, makes total sense. So tell us about the research. What, was there anything that surprised you coming out of this? I mean, so something that did not surprise me was the challenges around affordability. I think that's something that we know that we're well aware of, but what I'm really talking about in my research is something that is a little bit more unexpected. So what I'm really hearing from women in both Vancouver and Toronto is that a sense of community is really important to them. And that may look different depending on the person. And But oftentimes these women are talking to me about their sense of community without me actually prompting them about their social experiences, about their social relationships. But what I'm hearing is that they don't feel that they have social connection or they feel that they do and that's really great. So for example, uh, one person who I spoke to in Vancouver who used to live in a transition home she had a really great experience at her transition home for herself and her daughter. And there was lots of events held for children and that made her daughter feel really connected. 
And now that she's moved away into what you could arguably call a more stable environment because it is more um, permanent and it is affordable, she still is bringing up this aspect of social connection and not feeling like there's really much to her situation. She told me that it was pretty much a live or die situation and she needed to live. And so that's where she lives now. But um, there is an appreciation for having social connection and feeling like you're really a part of the community and knowing your neighbors. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. That is so important, and I'm, I'm glad you're talking about that, uh, Victoria. You know, quite often, um, even in the work that we do at Blue Door, and I think it, we, we learned a little bit from failure, in that we would place people in housing and they wouldn't have connection to community. And they built a sense of community at the shelter, right? I've got, for, for our men, I've got 24 other men that I built, you know, relationships with. I have staff that care about me. If I'm missing, they'll notice. I'm eating with them. I have food. I have that. I'm connected. So they built this community and they might be there for, uh, you know, three days to three months. And then they move into housing without that sense of community. No one cares whether I'm coming or going. No one's checking in on me. I don't have friends here. I, I don't know this community. I'm not connected to it. And they actually end up back in emergency housing, that connection to community. And now that we do a lot of work around with aftercare supports, connecting people to community, uh, we, we see different results. So I'm glad your research is supporting that. Um, what what do you hope uh, can happen? So you've done, you've done the research or are in the process of doing that. What are the hopes for this research moving forward? Well, I think what I hope is that there will be policy solutions that really prioritize people being in a place where they feel connected. So we have to remember that we're not just building homes wherever we can, but we're building homes in lots of places so that people have those options of where they would like to live. Um, for example, one person in my research told me that she was almost going to have to move to a completely different city. And if she hadn't challenged um, the processes around finding housing, that she would have had to move. And that would have been unfortunate for her because she wouldn't have had the same schools for her children. She wouldn't have had the same church group. She wouldn't have had those same doctors and dentists that she's built a relationship with. So I think when we're thinking about building affordable housing, building accessible housing, um, we should really think about building them in several areas of the city, as well as prioritizing safety so that people have options and they have flexibility. Because when we're thinking about the right to housing, it's not just the right to a physical, an, like an infrastructure. We're thinking about the right to housing as this comprehensive experience, and we need to build people homes. So well said. And I love what you're saying about options as well, right? And we've seen that before where you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, people are asked to leave their community and it's what they know and where they're connected. Um, and they, they don't want to take housing. In fact, very often in, say, the city of Toronto or, or the region of York where I work, uh, when we look at, they'll say, who's on the waiting list for affordable housing? Uh, it can be a little misleading. The numbers are staggering, of course. But there's a lot of people when offered something will turn it down, not because they're being choosy, 
because it doesn't make sense to them. They, they lose their whole sense of community and that's very important to them. Their schools, um, where they shop, who they know. And that's, you know, we, you're right. People need to have options and we need different types of housing for different groups of people as well, right? It's not a one size fits all uh, solution. And that's very cool. And listen, if we're going to end this or change things, absolutely, uh, we need new policy. It started with bad policy. We only change with uh, with good policy. And so, so what's next? What's next with uh, with yourself? What are you you're working on? You're going to do this research. Is it further research in this area? Is it something new? Uh, where do you go from here? Uh, well, I think for me, I'm going to be in a transition period in my life soon. I'll be finishing grad school and hopefully um, securing a job somewhere and continuing to work on housing. Um, this research is still in the process, though. I am in I'm in analysis phase and I will be writing up a report um, quite soon. And it, that will be my thesis and that will continue to be disseminated to housing providers as well as policymakers, um, hopefully through several means, including um, op-eds as well as academic reports, as well as presentations, um, which I've done a few of already. Um, and I think when it comes to next steps, it really is applying the work and the findings and using those evidence-based recommendations. So it's not just doing research for the sake of doing research. It's not me doing research because I find it interesting or because I find it fun. It's me doing research because these people are in precarious situations and they need help. And we are, and as someone who is not in that situation and as somebody who has the privilege of currently having a very safe home um, where I live by myself, I have the responsibility to help the women. And as a researcher, I also have the duty to ensure that these findings are are used and made applicable and made accessible to people who are in positions of power and who um, can make decisions that will help these women who are fleeing violence. Yes, yeah, you know, too many times we have great research and, and to your point, it's just on a shelf, right? You want this, this is not research for the sake of research, this is research for the sake of action taking place. And I'm sure uh, with you behind it, will push for action. Now, people won't be able to get this right away, but as you said, it will be shared widely uh, after you, you've done your, your thesis. In doing this work, are there stories from your research that have really stuck with you that, that kind of inspire you and drive you forward? Definitely. I think there are there's so many sincere stories that people share with me, and of course, it can be a lot of the times very heartbreaking. Um, and one story that sticks out to me is a woman who is from Toronto and she shared with me that while she was experiencing violence from her ex-partner, her son was actually couch surfing, which is a form of homelessness, as you know. Um, and he was, as she described, going down the wrong path. And once she was finally able to flee her violent situation and take her son with her, now they're in a much better place. They're in a much better neighborhood where he feels connected and he's been able to make friends at school. And and she's told me that he's making much decisions, and that really has to do with the housing situation that we're in. And, you know, when we think about social connection, especially for women who are fleeing violence, something that we need to remember is that one of the reasons why social connection is so important to people fleeing violence is because when they flee, they are leaving one of the most important social connections that we all have, which is our significant other. They are leaving that situation. And in a lot of places, in a lot of situations, they are also leaving um, their entire neighborhood where they may have had connections. They're making that sacrifice so that they can have 
physical safety for themselves and for their families. And so that is something that really sticks out to me that it's not just they want social connection and they're choosing not to have it, but it's that they chose to have the opportunity for safety. And now they have to build up their life again. They have to have those opportunities to facilitate social connection to really get into this place where they can have social mobility for themselves and um, for their family. And so, yeah, that's what sticks out to me. Yeah, you know, it's, it's odd. Sometimes that word choice, right? When you think about the situation, I mean, the alternative being severe injury, death, uh, injury to your family, severe trauma, to me, that doesn't even seem like a choice. You, you, you have to leave. You're forced to, and you're forced to leave all those comforts you've talked about and start anew, right? Um, same thing when people say uh, homelessness, you know, what are the choices? Well, you know, for many people, it was never a choice. It's, it's the situation they find themselves in, right? Uh, well, listen, I, I love the work that you're doing, the passion. Um, if someone wanted to reach out and ask you about this or find out more, um, how can they go about that? Um, they can email me. My email is last name Barclay, V like Victoria at student.ubc.ca. You can also find me on Twitter at VicBarclay98. And I'm sure if you Google Victoria Barclay UBC, you'll be able to find my contact information. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this important research. And more importantly, for committing to uh, take that research and put it into action. This is important. Um, you are being part of the solution. It's so appreciated. Victoria, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Wow. I mean, that is passion in action and important research too. I mean, we, we gather a lot of data and research, but Victoria made a very important uh, point there is, yeah, it's great. It's interesting, but we're not doing it for interest. We're doing it to make, uh, to, to kind of back up action to give ourselves the data we need to make real change happen. I have no doubt that she's gonna do that and continue to do that after she finishes her thesis as she moves on. So look for that. Uh, her thesis will be done shortly and I'm sure it'll be widely uh, available um, and you'll see it uh, through many different channels. Maybe we'll even have her back here to talk about the report once she's done it. Another great guest, another great episode. We are so fortunate to have so many uh, inspiring, passionate, and knowledgeable people uh, on this podcast. And I guarantee it will be no different next time when we see you on the way home. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer, and we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.